Hey, everybody. Thanks for taking the time to join me today. We're speaking with Rob Gorski, an autism dad with a strong voice in the autism community. Over the years, he's amassed upwards of 100 million views on his blog and has received tons of awards for both writing and his work in the autism community. And remember, if you're enjoying our podcast, please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts and share with a friend. That's how we make our voices stronger. Thanks for listening. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash myautismtribe. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to My Autism Tribe, a community of advocates that are linked by autism but bound by strength. This is a time to find our sounding board and shoulders that help us carry life's load without the fear of criticism. We give and receive. We nurture and empower. I'm your host, Susan Scott. Today's guest is Rob Gorski. He is the proud dad of three amazing children on the autism spectrum. He began a blog in 2010 as a means of coping with everything that was going on. The raw emotions, true happiness, and heartbreak. He's brutally honest, which I absolutely love. His mission to show others of similar circumstances that they're not alone is definitely something that I can connect with, as most of us would agree. We want to make a difference. We want the best for our children. We want the whole world to know just how much compassion we have for the autism community. It can be exhausting, though, leaving us questioning how to take care of ourselves, too. What does self-care look like, and what can we do about it? Please welcome my friend, Rob Gorski. I am so excited to introduce everybody to you. You're just, I know, an amazing dad. And I just want everyone to hear your story because it's really, really powerful. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. I, I'm Rob Gorski. I'm a, a dad to three kids uh, who happen to be on the autism spectrum. My, my oldest is, is almost 20. Makes me feel crazy old. Uh, My son just turned he, six, and I feel like I'm old. Oh, uh, I know. It's, <laughs> he, I, I, I hit I hit forty last year, and uh, oh, you're still young. Between between the mortality, you know, like looking at your life, and then him turning twenty, it's like, and he has a beard, and like. It, like you gotta shave it, man. Like I, I, I can't handle this. <laughs> uh, but he, he's, he's, he's gonna be twenty. Um, and then there's Elliot, who's thirteen, and there's Emmett, who's eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, Gavin has, he, he, he has a lot of challenges. Um, he, he was diagnosed with autism in two thousand five. Okay. Uh, we didn't know at the time. I mean, my experience with autism was seeing Rain Man at that point in time. And so sure. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, and it was really scary because you just hear a lot of big words that you don't comprehend and you just assume the worst and he had a lot of behavioral issues. Uh, he was very aggressive and things like that. Uh, there was a lot of other stuff going on in his life at the time. And we sort of explained away the behavioral issues. Um, Gavin is my, he is my, my wife or my, I guess soon to be ex-wife's, um, son from her first marriage. I've raised him since he was about a year old. And so we sort of, there was a big custody thing um, with, with 
her and her ex back back then. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of back and forth. And so we sort of thought the behavioral issues were related to that. So we didn't we didn't really think anything of it besides having him in therapy and whatever. Uh, but but it, it evolved, and uh, he was diagnosed in 2005. He was later diagnosed with bipolar disorder mm-hmm. uh, at a very young age, which which they don't diagnose that very often in kids. Sure. Um, and then it it sort of bipolar disorder is on a spectrum, sort of like autism, where you have you know bipolar at one end, and then you have paranoid schizophrenic at the other end. And um, it's interesting. On, I didn't he, know he that. I, I didn't either. Um, and, and, and it was explained to me that like you start out, you know, he was, he was bipolar and then you have your moodiness and your mood swings and whatever, but then you start, you get to a point where you're having the same mood swings, but you also have psychotic episodes where you sort of lose touch with reality. So as that happens, it sort of evolves to a, a slightly different diagnosis. And then as you have more psychotic episodes, than you do manic episodes or, or mood issues then it becomes uh, schizoaffective disorder, which is sort of a blend between the two. Okay. And then when he turned 18, he was officially diagnosed with schizophrenia. And they, they definitely don't diagnose that very often at all under the age of 18. Uh, but he, you know, he, he's had a lot of struggles with that. And that's cognitively, he's about five years old. And so... Okay. For an adult, you know, a, a more functional adult, I guess, um, it would be difficult to distinguish between reality and the the schizophrenic uh, kind of hallucinations. Yeah. But when you're cognitively impaired to that extent, uh, it, it's it's very difficult for him to discern, like he. If you asked him if he was schizophrenic, he would probably tell you he doesn't know. Like, like he doesn't he doesn't understand that. Sure. Um, but he, and he sort of understands the concept of the things that he sees aren't real, but to him they're real, and so that's sort of what he runs with. And yeah. so he he he's a you know a superhero in this other universe where he has team members that are you know Sonic the Hedgehog is his best friend and mm-hmm. and they're all sort of cartoon characters from shows and video games and stuff like that. They sort of form this superhero group that battles the bad guys in this other universe. And so he, he takes it very seriously. It's like, I mean, to him, it, it's, it's real. He talks about it. He brags about his accomplishments because he's very proud of himself. Sure. And uh, it's, so it, it is, it's, it's a little much at times, uh, yeah. but, but he's a, he's a great kid. And Elliot is 13. He was diagnosed. Uh, he was na- he's nasty, and so is Emmett. They're both diagnosed about the same time, mm-hmm. and uh, they both are very high functioning, um, very advanced cognitively for their ages. Emotionally is where we see a lot of the the struggles because as intelligent as they are, their their emotional maturity isn't quite there yet. So there's you see a lot of kind of conflict between what they understand and what they feel i guess right uh there's a lot of a lot of sensory issues a lot of anxiety adhd that's a very challenging thing for us right now yeah uh, and when they were diagnosed it, did you were, yeah. were there also 
those other symptoms or did you see as they grew older the ADHD oh. come out or you know or were those co-occurring diagnoses like at the same time yeah they it was well Emmett was nonverbal uh so he was a four or five um we actually thought that he was deaf so we were learning sign language and teaching him sign language because he wouldn't respond mm-hmm. and you know, they had all the testing done and he had to have a, an ABR uh, done. It's where they put electrodes on your head and they sedate the kid and they play sound and it measures the brain waves wow. to see if your ears, like if you're actually hearing the sound. And he was, and that they said that he's, he's hearing, he's just tuning you guys out. Or he's tuning everything out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that led us down the path of autism uh, because he presented very differently than what Gavin did. And so at that point in time, I didn't realize that, People were so, you know, people with autism are, are are very unique, and they can present in many different ways. Sure. And so I didn't recognize it as as autism with him because it was different than what we were seeing with, with his oldest brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Elliot, we didn't, I didn't see it at all until he started preschool, and then I saw him with, I guess, neurotypical peers, and then it. I, I, I saw that there was something a little bit different. And so we had to get him evaluated and, and they were both diagnosed within, I don't know, six months of each other, maybe. Wow. But there wasn't, uh, the ADHD wasn't really anything that we looked at. I mean, it's only been maybe two years, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe three years. I think it's one of those things where we sort of suspected it, but it wasn't interfering with life enough that we needed to, really pursue it because when you have anxious kids to start with anxiety can mimic all kinds of different things. So it's on the surface, you can't tell whether it's anxiety or ADHD and we knew they were anxious. So we just sort of thought it was that, but it it reached a point where impulse issues and, and, uh, and their quality of life had diminished uh, to to a point where we needed to, you know, test out, Sure. ADHD medications. And that's the only way you diagnose it. It's the medications either work or they don't. Gotcha. And if they work, you know, so. Well, and I they, often they wonder. Evolved as they got older. Yeah. Because every, just like we all evolve kind of, you know, differently, every stage of our life presents new challenges, new opportunities. I often wonder, you know, my son, Alex, just started kindergarten. And so early mm-hmm. on, and he was diagnosed at two and a half. I, one of my questions, because I knew, a, a you know, a lot of diagnosis had ADHD as well attached to it. And I had asked his therapist at the mm-hmm. time if she thought maybe he had ADHD. He was, she was, no, 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 no. He doesn't have ADHD at all. But now that he is entering school, I wonder sometimes if that may come into the picture at some point, you know, is he able to concentrate at at school or because I don't want that to affect his schoolwork as well. Yeah. I, my understanding is like you either have ADHD or you don't. Mm -hmm. And, but as, as, and that could be, I could misunderstand it, but I think as they get older and they're placed in different situations, you know, you may see symptoms that, that weren't noticeable before because the stimulus is different. And so they're responding differently and, 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 and and it sort of teases things out over time. And I think that's in our situation, I think that's a lot of what we 
we ran into was, you know, the autism diagnosis is, is pretty solid. And then that was it for a while. But then we started seeing as they got older uh, and they were sort of dealing with different things, we started seeing different symptoms that came up that weren't explained by the autism diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And we just observed for a while and, and you know, they're, they're in therapy every week anyways. And it just got to a point where we're like, you know, we really need to, uh, once, once they started having issues in school, like too fidgety or they couldn't sit down or, or they were having difficulties focusing or paying attention, then it becomes a quality of life issue for them. And, and that's when we really pursued it. And right, uh, we started them on ADHD medications and, and they, it, it improved. Uh, awesome. You know, so it's, it is sort of an evolution. You yeah. kind of learn as you go. And for for you, so you're evolving at the same time as they're evolving. You know, it's all of these different <laughs> challenges present themselves differently to you and you react differently. And having three children on the spectrum, you know, I have one and I know that the challenges are very, very real. And with each kid's, you know, different challenges, you know, and how they're presenting themselves, all of it can be daunting. And I know myself, mm-hmm. I lay in bed sometimes at night just thinking, okay, what did I do wrong? What did, what could I have done better? Because we're raising human beings. I mean, this, that in and of itself, sometimes I have a hard time wrapping my head around, you know, because we want the best there's, for there's them. There's a lot of gravity to yeah. just thinking about that. Like you're, you're not just screwing up a cake in the oven or something. Right. Uh, you can't redo it. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of, that's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves. Yeah. And I understand what you're saying. And I've struggled with that myself in a lot of ways over the years. And, and sometimes even uh, currently. And one of the things that I try to do is I, is I focus, I, I force myself to focus on the things that I do right. Mm-hmm. Because I know that they're still they're still alive, and yeah, they're happy as much as they can be right now with everything that's going on in their lives. Uh, they're doing well in school. Uh, they are polite and courteous, and, and and so I so I at the end of the day, I must be doing something right. I may not know what that something is, but I need to keep doing what I'm doing because something is 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 making a difference and. They sound like Otherwise, incredible you get kids. Up. They sound they, like they incredible are. They're, kids. They're, yeah. You know, for all of Gavin's challenges, he, he I had to pull him out his freshman year in high school because he has a lot of health related issues too. He has fragile health along with um, mm-hmm. the the other sort of well the autism and then the other there's mental health issues as well. And he, uh, you know, if you talk to him. We're at a point where if you talk to him, you would know that something's different. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when he was younger, you didn't, know, you wouldn't know unless you spent a considerable amount of time with him. But as his body aged, all those other things stayed the same. Right. And so it's it, there's things that seem out of place, so it, it becomes more obvious. But he is he is very compassionate. He, he constantly, ten times a day, he's asking me what he can do to help. Aww. And as annoying as it gets, because it gets annoying. <laughs> <laughs> just because he, he's a talk, he's a talker, yeah. And so he he likes to narrate his life, and yeah. I I swear that it's it can it could be used to interrogate 
people. Uh, <laughs> There's a strength in that. Just, it's, yeah, I mean, and it's just, it's just, but it's it's nonstop and it wears on you after a while. But, sure. But he's he, he's he never he always thinks of everybody else before himself and. There's a lot of, uh, you know, adults out there in society that are that are whatever that 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 don't even give a second thought to how people feel. Right. And so I think the things that matter in life, he has in spades. And um, that's awesome. You know, he, he's he's going to have challenges, but he's he never quit. He never complains. He never quits. He just he just keeps going. It's like a little that 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 uh, the engine that could. Right. That's the, awesome. That story. Yeah. So yeah. There's I'm, our I'm our lucky. kids are so resilient. They're so strong. They're so compassionate. And sometimes people can't see that because they see the diagnosis first. And yep. but I know Alex is just the sweetest thing and he feels very deeply. And I wish that I could feel sometimes what he's feeling. Because he feels very, very happy, you know, at times. And then I also know that he probably feels like he has the world on his shoulders, too. So Mm -hmm. I have to be aware of that so that I'm able to help him navigate life because life isn't always very nice to us. And... Um, and helping him try to to cope with those things. And granted, he's six years old, so he still has a long road ahead of him, hopefully. But um, but just be there. And someone told me one time, they're like, you know, Susan, the most important thing that you can do is just to love him, just to show him that you love mm-hmm. him, and everything else doesn't matter. So. I thought, okay, so a lot of times I just kind of keep replaying that conversation that I had with a friend, and it's been really powerful. Self care mm-hmm. comes up a lot for me um, because I am very, very quick and always 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 12 months out of the year, loving, loving, loving my son. And I find sometimes that I'm not loving myself enough or sometimes not at all that I'm just constantly giving. And it really, truly is a second, third, fourth thought to everything else that I'm doing. And I know that, you know, we've talked a little bit before we started recording that, you know, that's, I think, a struggle, a challenge for any parent um, Mm -hmm. to try to find that self-care routine. And I say routine, I almost laugh about it. I'm like, there's actually a routine with that because it's like, okay, I'll maybe do a self-care once a year, but how <laughs> you have three kiddos on this spectrum. And so how, yeah. how are you doing that? Well, um, or not doing it's, it. It's, <laughs> well, yeah. it's, you know, that's something that I've focused a lot on in the last year or two was, was self-care and in talking to my, my readers and uh, my listeners about that, because one of the things that it took me a long time to realize was, was just how stressful my life is. Mm -hmm. And, and I think when, when you're caught up in it, you don't, you can't really see it for what it is. Yeah. And, and I think that's, for me, I think that can be very dangerous because, you know, s- stress 
can have a profound impact on your physical and emotional health. Yeah. And and the stress that uh, autism parents feel, they've had studies. I don't know if you've seen the the studies where they where they compare the stress of of autism moms to that of combat soldiers. Sure. And 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 it's and it's not. I mean, it's not obviously it's not the same thing, but it's it's the idea that you're constantly on alert. Even when you sleep at night, you're sleeping with one eye open yeah. and an ear to the floor because you can never let your guard down. It's it's constant. And we can become so wrapped up in that that we forget ourselves. We lose ourselves in the process. And, you know, our health suffers as a result. And, and long-term chronic stress can have all kinds of negative issues yeah. or, or, I'm sorry, negative uh, impacts on on your body. And for me... You know, depression is a big, big thing for me. Mm-hmm. And the more that I, there, there's this, uh, as parents, okay, we feel like our kids have to always come first. Mm-hmm. It's sort of instinctual, you know, yeah. it, it almost, it's like no matter what the kids come first and that's important. But the problem with that is, is that when you do that, it's, it's not sustainable, Right. You can do it for a short period of time, but eventually you burn out. You give everything that you have and you never replenish it. You never you ever put back into your whatever your emotional bank account, I guess. Yeah. And you just keep making withdrawals and eventually you're going to have nothing to give your kids. And so, you know, you, you have to be able to put back into yourself and it doesn't have to be like, you know, super elaborate, expensive you know, three days away from your kids kind of thing. It's just, it's try and make sure you get enough sleep, eat as healthy as you can. If you can get a break and go walking, you know, do that or put on your headphones and listen to music or a podcast or read a book or something that you do for yourself every day that, that puts back rather than takes away. Yeah. Because the more that you put back, the more you can give. And one of the, uh, a therapist that I talked to one time, he, he told me that you have to be selfish before you can be selfless. And it seems oh, that's interesting. counterintuitive, but you have to be able to, you have to have something to give. And if you don't put into yourself, you have nothing to give, especially long-term. And, and the way I see it is, you know, my oldest is going to need, and he's going to live with me for the rest of his life. Uh, mm-hmm. Unless we find like a, you know, people are suggesting like group home type things that he might actually thrive in. Right. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm not emotionally ready to even go down that road. Right. That's a big uh, step. That, yeah. It's a big step. Yeah. But I need to be there for him as long as I possibly can. And if I'm not taking care of myself now, what am I going to be like 20 or 30 years from now? Right. When he still needs me. So, so I, I just, I really, I try to focus for me. The biggest thing I was doing was walking. I would, I would walk every morning. I go to the park and there's a track that I would walk, um, between like three and five miles every morning. And that was my, that was my routine. You you mentioned routine. Mm -hmm. I take the kids to school and I would, I would go walking. I'd come home and I'd get on with my day. You and I were talking before and, and I'm, you know, I mentioned that my wife had left in August of this year and, uh, the kids are with me. And so I'm now, raising them on my own for the most part and and that has that has put a a big obstacle in my way yeah because i like 
like Gavin can't stay home by himself. We live in a neighborhood that's not safe, really. Uh, and so even if he was okay to stay home, I would be uncomfortable doing that. But, you know, when I, you know, my routine has been thrown off, so I, I can't walk like I was doing. So, you know, my weight loss uh, had sort of stopped. I went to the doctor yesterday because they called me in after my, get my, get my labs done every six months to track cholesterol and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And just since I have stopped doing this stuff, all my numbers went up. Sure. Um, and and so most people aren't taking the time to keep tabs on those things, and so they don't realize the impact that this stuff has. You have to make time for yourself. It's I mean, sometimes I lock myself in the bathroom just yeah so I can sit in the corner <laughs> yeah and, and you know just not be talked to or something. And uh, so you just you just have to find time. Yeah. You know? I I feel what you're saying so so much because I am a single parent myself and when that whole title of single parent started coming you know closer and closer uh, about 2 years ago I realized that my routines were going to change there were going to be additional stress factors that came along with it. And it took, I would say, us a good solid, you're still early in the game, but it took us a good solid year, I think, before we established our new routine, like where mm-hmm. we were consistent with it. Like, okay, this is what yeah. we're going to do. This is what our mornings look like, afternoons, evenings, weekends. And still, there are times where we're having to kind of negotiate some changes. Um, mm-hmm. But it did. It took a while. And I have to say, you know, whenever you have those really impactful things that happen in your life that aren't part of the normal routine, and we all know that children in general have sometimes a really hard time with transitions and just trying mm-hmm. to grasp the larger things in life rather than what's for breakfast, what's for lunch, this is bath time. It takes time for everyone to adjust. And I have to say, honestly, that I think my son adjusted before I did because I felt like I was in survival mode longer than he was. I was trying to keep things as consistent as I could for him, kind of like the smoke and mirrors kind of thing, while I was still trying to navigate all of the nastiness. Yeah. You know, there's, this has been a very, it's been a part of my challenge in in navigating, I guess, becoming a single parent in this type of situation I did it before for two years and, 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 and it took, a, it took a while for me to, uh, to sort of get my bearings and, yeah. but, the, but the kids and I, like we did okay. You know, I made a lot of progress in life and, um, we ultimately reconciled for a few years and, and then, you know, this came up again in August and, you know, it's it's tough because I sort of 
found out about it as my kids found out about it. And, and so there, there was a, and I'm a very emotional person, right? So, so like mm-hmm. for me, marriage is a, is a huge thing. And this was my best friend for 20 years. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine my life um, without her. And I had to adjust to that while not allowing what I'm feeling to impact the kids in a negative way, because, you know, they, yeah. they, there's, there's sort of a, a symbiosis in a sense that, that, you know, we try to, we try to know what they feel, right. We want to know how they feel and whatever, but they, they have this innate sense. They know what we're feeling, yeah. even if we're trying to hide it. And so it's exhausting to try and grieve and and mm-hmm. deal with all of my emotional issues when 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 my kids are around me all the time. Yeah. And and you know it's it's like I'm not I, I'm not very religious, uh, but like I look at this, you know, having my kids is a blessing, mm-hmm. the way that I do because I could not function without having my kids in my life. Yeah, I hear and, you. And 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 so you know, it could be much worse. And, you know, while losing my marriage sucks a lot, uh, I have my kids. And, and at the end of the day, when I look back on my life, I, I think that's what's going to matter more to me than, than anything else. And, you know, it, it, is, it is just, you know, we, we're trying to find our, our footing and, and find a new balance and a new you know, normal sort of a bad word, but like normal, you know? Yeah. And uh, find an equilibrium that, that we can, you know, move forward, sure. I guess. And it, it's hard for these guys because they, intellectually, they want, they know that there's more going on than what they're being told. Emotionally, they have no business knowing any of the adult issues. Right but they're very frustrated because they're if you were to talk to them you would never guess their age and so it's 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 hard to get them to accept things without because they want detailed explanations and they want to understand the logic and the uh the logistics of everything and there's there's some things you just can't explain and sometimes and, there's no logic and, <laughs> to explain yeah well yeah i mean there, there's no logic and and I told him, I'm like, guys, like, I, I, I don't even understand what happened. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and, and even if I did, I, I wouldn't, like, you guys have to worry about being kids. This isn't, this isn't something yeah. that, uh, that they need to burden themselves with. And I mean, they're, they're thrown into it, I guess, by default. But, you know, my, um, their mom and I, you know, they're, we, we make it a, a concerted we make it an absolute priority to make sure that they are not having to deal with any grown up issues. And that's great. I mean the divorce itself and having to, you know, their mom living somewhere else, they're forced into that. But the rest of the stuff behind the scenes and, and things like that, they don't they don't need to be exposed to any of that. And so, you know, nobody talks ill of the other person. Nobody, you know, you have to, and I'm and just talking about this on, a, on an upcoming episode that I have, and 
there is a lot of uh, a lot of ways that I feel like we can make this easier for kids on the spectrum by consistency yeah. and routine and you know, like my kids are struggling going to school. That's been a nightmare because they're so emotionally upset. They end up in tears at school and then I get called and I have to come pick them up and bring them home. And, and they've missed quite a bit so far this year. Mm-hmm. But going to school is important. They need that structure. They need that routine. Even if they don't feel they do. Right. And you I'm the bad guy for making to. them go. Yeah. They need that distraction. They need that, you know, whatever. And, so it is, it's just, it's, it's tough trying to reacclimate to life after catastrophic change like this. For me as an adult, I can't imagine how hard it is for, for my kids. But you know, you know you're there and, for, you're there for them and they know that they really do. And even if they can't verbally express that, I know my son, when we were kind of in the thick of it. Like I like to say, he Mm -hmm. just, he had to be in the same room with me and it was just being near me. It was just touching me. And even though we weren't exchanging words, we were there for each other. And I think there is such true beauty in that. And it all comes back to just home is where the heart is kind of thing. And, um, love needs no words. It's just, I got you. And I think that's one of the cool things about us autism parents is that we have each other, you know, we have each other's back and without even having to explain anything, like we were talking before we started recording, you're like, my brain's just frazzled. (laughs) And I was like, totally get it. Totally get it. Been there doing that right now. Yeah. And so just as much as we care for our loved ones, it's important to care for ourselves. And that's why we all need to stick together. And I commend you for being just the excellent father that you are and for stepping up and just being a great dad and just being enough for your kids. Yeah. And you know, you have a whole tribe here that's rooting for you. We're all rooting for each other. And that's what's really cool about it. And thanks for sharing some of the not so comfortable aspects of your life. And you didn't need to do that. But thank you for sharing and for allowing us to get to know you a little better. And and thank you for your time. Oh, my pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Well, if you know, I mentioned this blog. Um, I in the show notes, I'm gonna attach you know to the podcast. Feel free to reach out to Rob. He has his own podcast himself. It's amazing. Um, he also has a website, theautismdad.com, which is like the coolest website name ever. And then you can find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. He's the Autism Dad, pretty much across the board, right? Uh, yeah, on all the social media, yeah. 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 It was, I had started out as lost and tired originally when I started back in 2010. And I rebranded because I felt like during our first separation, I mean, I I didn't know what was going to happen. So I felt like it was a new story, like a new journey. Mm. And I needed to start 
fresh. And so I, I rebranded as the autism dad. I thought it was more positive and yeah. Well, and it's done great things. More fitting. It's done great things. Yeah. And we're very proud of you. So keep up the great work. Oh, thank You're you. You're amazing. That's very nice of you. You're welcome. So everybody check out Rob Gorski. Rob, thanks again for your time. And I truly thank you for being a part of my autism tribe. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You have a good week. I think it's still a week. week. <laughs> good rest of my week. Thank I don't you know so what much. Day it is. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Okay, take care. Thanks. We all experience exhaustion, feelings of being absolutely defeated, not good enough. But that's why self-care is so important. Those who've experienced compassion fatigue describe it as being sucked into a downward spiral, not knowing how to stop it. So they do what they've always done, continue to give and give and give until they're completely tapped out. Our families need us to be playing our A game. We need to take time to fully recharge. I'm making a commitment to everyone here to take better care of myself so that I can be even better for my son. And I challenge you to do the same. It's not selfish to take care of ourselves. In fact, it is needed. I expect everyone here to hold me accountable. And I'll be here rooting for you. Thanks so much for being a part of my autism tribe. And I'll see you next week.